NetCredit is here to say yes to a personal loan or line of credit when other lenders say no. Apply in minutes and get a decision as soon as the same day. If approved, applications are typically funded the next business day or sooner. Loans offered by NetCredit or lending partner banks and serviced by NetCredit. Application subject to review and approval. Learn more at netcredit.com slash partner. NetCredit. Credit to the people. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Roto World Football Show. I am Patrick Doherty, joined today by Danny Carter, Kyle Dvorak, and Eric Froton. It is our final show before the draft, which we have been preparing for for 17 years. And some would say we've maybe been taking the prep a little too far. We're doing pre-draft profiles for most of the players we expect to be drafted. You'll be able to find all of those up on the site this weekend. And Kyle informs he's done four specialists, but the, every specialist has a trade in common. What is that, Kyle? Uh, all the specialists are from the Big Ten. And this isn't like my favorite specialist. This is like going around different, uh, you know, draft sources and like who we expect to get drafted. Cause like, I don't, like, I'm not blurbing the long snapper who the Patriots, I mean, they're going to sign nine of them, but the Patriots long snapper that they sign as a UDFA, I'm not blurbing that guy. But if someone gets drafted in the fifth round, I do care to know a little bit about him. All the specialists are from the Big Ten. And that feels like not. Uh, not coincidence, right? It feels like Big Ten. They're all from Iowa specifically. Iowa three kickers getting drafted. I mean, it makes sense they, to me. I, I listen. I'm I'm not a huge college watcher, but I've never seen a touchdown scored in a Big Ten game. No. So other than Ohio State, it's a, of, it's a lot of punting. Yeah, Ohio State's the only team that's ever scored a Big Ten touchdown, especially since the expansion. No team has ever scored a touchdown against Ohio State in the Big right. Ten. Um, so that is rather tough. I forgot to say what we're talking about, by the way. We're talking about final draft news, more Will Levis rumors, rumors about the Bills maybe taking a receiver in the first round. We're going to talk about Aaron Rodgers for the 79th time this offseason. And, uh, boy, he had a really inspiring welcome press conference to the Jets wow. uh, where he said, I'm not a savior, um, which, you know, fair, but also – it could be uh, could be news to the entire Jets organization. Yeah, that is news to the Jets. Who have for three months said he is our savior. And then we're going to go around the horn where each of Eric, Kyle, and Denny are going to give just some predictions or some some want tos for the draft. Uh, they're all going to make they're all going to make like I don't know bold predictions. Not really. Well. They're all going to make a prediction. They're all going to talk about a fit they want to see, and then a prospect fit they don't want to see. Um, do any of us want to even see Will Levis in the NFL? That's the first thing we're going to talk about. Uh, oh yeah, like I, I want to see. I want to see Will Levis. Like I might need to put down a six pack, two, three six packs to watch Will Levis play. But like <laughs> he should be fun. And let's not dig too deep into what that means analytically. But like he's the type of dude I want to see play football. 
Well, he's old enough to rent a car, so he'll be, he will be able to like uh, take the other rookies out and his car to like the pre the team lunches and stuff that they're going to have. But the latest Will Levis news: longtime Texans beat writer and observer John McClain, who has been known to get very very angry at times about the Texans, so and has been very right about the Texans many times. Has been wrong occasionally. Apparently, said in a radio interview, "quote The Texans have no indecision whatsoever." Those are national media reports. The Texans know what they are going to do. They've just put a tight lid on it. But the second pick, I have them taking Will Levis in my final mock draft. So John McClain, Mr. Texans, expects Will Levis to go to Houston. Eric, I see you looking very serious and nodding. Um, is this the deliverance we've all hoped for? And, like, I mean, what do we even make of Will Levis to the Texans? Like, they, they've been kind of getting away from doing stuff like this. Now they're, they're going to lean into their Texans' essence. Can this work? Will this work? Well, my first question for you, Pat, is did you hear this particular press conference? And two, did John McClain say something to the effect of welcome to the party, pal, and start dancing a jig? Uh, no, I know he did not. And uh, Okay. Well, we're not going to have a diehard reference. You didn't think you were getting one, but that's why I'm here. Okay? So, I've seen uh, Die Hard like four times, and I still didn't get the reference. Just uh, well, that's that's okay. I'm, I know the the audience gets it. That's Eric. The references you reference. could have made to Die Hard uh, would have gotten the show canceled. You couldn't say the things that I remember from that movie, specifically one line. <laughs> Only '80s kids will remember. Mm-hmm. That's right. I, well, I, '80s kids for Kyle, who is a 2080s kid. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, I'm sorry I got off track here. Uh, we do have an actual question, and it does pertain to Mister. Will Levis, of course. Now, uh, as Kyle, excuse me, Kyle uh, alluded to, I'm very excited to see Will Levis because we need more uh, quarterbacks who don't wear sleeves when they're out there on the field. And we know, looking at his physique, Will Levis will never be photographed on a practice field no. with sleeves on. So uh, that's a really important thing. And you know, Houston's hot, so we're gonna, it's it's going to be a high dew point. Here it's that's going to help him. Yeah, if he goes to Houston, that's going to really help his performance. I think. That being said, uh, gosh, I hope I don't think that happens. My final mock draft, I went with C.J. Stroud. I am staying the course. It is it has been a long arduous process, but uh, here we are on the eve of the draft, and. Um, while I understand, you know, the physical traits that we're seeing from Will Levis, I do think the decision-making wise, he had a lot to overcome, uh, you know, in terms of what he did last year, the, the points in favor of him 2021, uh, when he had a much more accomplished offensive coordinator, uh, Liam Cohen, who was with the Rams is now back at Kentucky after the failed Rick Scangarello. Not weird at all. What happened there with Liam Cohen? Not weird. Not weird at all. No, (laughs) it was even worse with Scangarello tried out there for an offense. So, um, you know, there is – you can look at that 2021 tape and, and point to optimism uh, in the way he played, but a 7-13 to 13 big-time throw to turnover-worthy play rate last year is obviously concerning. Uh, I have him going to the Colts. I think he has – he is so Ursay. He is just pure Ursay to me. <laughs> he is pure uncut Ursay. <laughs> so uh, I'm going with Stroud at that two-pick. Isn't this – doesn't this kind of reek of the Texans saying basically – Hey Colts, we're gonna do it. We're yeah. Gonna, gonna, also through like a favored mouthpiece. Like John McClain is retired, and all of a sudden he's coming out for one last job, <laughs> one last information launder. I'm too one old. One last diehard. Yeah, exactly. Uh, John McClain, by the way, is an actor who's been in several films. This is not a joke. Uh, what? He, he worked for the Houston Chronicle for like forty or fifty years, and is also like a bit actor. 
Uh, look up his IMDb. He was in yeah. the, the James Franco classic Spring Breakers. <laughs> this is not a joke. This is actually. Not I know a joke. that movie. Yeah, was that the riffraff <laughs> version of James yeah, Franco? That's where James yeah. Franco, yeah, plagiarized riffraff's entire persona. Oh, oh, sorry, Denny. Though we got we got sidetracked. Uh, I mean, the the cult a riffraff riff reference what? on this show. <laughs> a riffraff reference. I'm sorry to oh, keep us sidetracked, but yeah. the Zoomers might not even know who riffraff is. But you go, Denny. Uh, what was I saying? Yes, uh, the Colts. The Colts. They uh, they want their guy. They want Will Levis, and uh, I think the Texans desperately want to get out of that spot. I guess. Um, and it does I for some reason have like been forgetting all day that that's obviously what this is? And yeah, he he was known for being close to Cal McNair, I believe, John McLean, and so it's definitely get the word out. We're actually taking the quarterback. And yeah, make the, right. make, make the Texans or the Colts bleep their pants. It's, it is one last job. <laughs> it is seriously one last information launder for John McClain, maybe. It's hard also, work being a yeah, bag I, man. What, what, Eric? It's hard work being a, a bag man. It is. <laughs> and, I mean, and no offense to John McClain if this actually ends up being correct. And it was the truth all it's along. Way, man. It does feel very, very indie. I mean, Kyle, you've been following this as closely as Eric, as closely as anyone what is your best gut feel on April 26th? What team will Levis will be drafted by on the evening of April 27th? I think, I think it's going to, I think you guys are thinking about this in the way that us like fantasy bros or analytically minded somewhere in that vein are like, Oh, Stroud's numbers are great. Will Levis's numbers. Uh, in fact, they're not great. They're quite Poor for a guy who was looking like he could go second overall to, to sugarcoat it, frankly. Uh, but sports books seem convinced that if a quarterback is go is set going second, it, it's probably Will Levis, like FanDuel Sportsbook, who's been pretty responsive to the market in the draft, uh, like in the lead up to the draft, has him plus 190, just shy of Tyree Wilson, plus 150, and then all the way down at, at plus 550 is CJ Stroud. So they're not sold on Will Levis being at two, but they are more sold that if a quarterback is two, it is Will Levis. And uh, like, I get that the Texans have had some like regime turnover and like obviously have a whole new coaching staff, but like, would it shock me if the Texans made what we think wasn't the most sound analytically decision? Like, of course not. And there are redeeming qualities to Will Levis's game. He's a really good athlete. He's got a good I mean, arm. Kidding aside, we have focused a lot on the negatives on Will Levis on the show. So yeah, tell us some of the positives. Yeah, I mean, like, he, he is a good athlete. He's got a strong arm. I think mechanically, he's not terrible. Like, they saw it at his pro day. Like, he actually has, like, a pretty strong throwing motion at times. It's just, I think, decision-making leaves a lot to be desired. Yeah, makes a lot of mistakes. Like, <laughs> But I think you could convince yourself that there's a way to clean that up. I think I think Connor, uh, Connor Rogers comped him to the prospect that was Josh Allen. And, like, that prospect, which was not a great prospect but it had a lot of potential and you can see how that potential manifests in like real gains in the nfl with the real josh allen we have in the year of our lord 2023 now bridging that gap is a big one but like i i, I understand why they like the upside of his profile i would go shroud and i wouldn't even second question i would run up to the podium and take shroud at two but the markets think differently and i'm not gonna like 
be so you know bullish on my own opinion of Stroud that I'm willing to bet against uh, Will Levis if a quarterback goes at two, which isn't even a guarantee. I'm not willing to bet against Levis being the guy. I think if it is a quarterback at two, he's the name we'll hear called. Eric, I'll give you the final word on Will Levis because it looks like you want to say something. But just if a few, I do wonder how like efficient these betting markets really are because it seems like they're like reacting to like totally anonymous like Reddit posts a little bit. Like for, they seem like these markets would be very very easy to manipulate. Like they're still kind of like a little too in their infancy. And I do think like the Josh Allen thing is the only reason Will Levis is even being talked about in the top five. Like Josh Allen, like gave teams like license for like at least the next twenty years now to keep taking this kind of player, even though like it works like one out of twenty times, and like Josh Allen was basically the one time. Teams like oh, I mean, no one ever wants us to take these guys, but what about Josh Allen, huh? But yeah, you didn't think, think about bad. that. But you didn't think about that. Like yeah, we've been talking about that for like twenty minutes. We did think about that, but and then uh, they take him and he's a bust. But Eric, what do you want to say? I, I think he, you know. It's so hard because when you say Josh Allen and, and you say prospect Josh Allen, and you know, it's reasonable. It's not an unreasonable comp. And, and obviously, I respect Connor a great deal. But if I were to go with one, I mean, it's, I think he's more Carson Wentz than he is. That's Josh honestly Allen. a beautiful comp, man. That's you know, beautiful. like that, that's what I see, you know. And uh, I had heard, I had just seen on the Twitter that uh, Pete Prisco, I believe, was talking about how. Oh well, Josh Allen didn't have any receivers to throw with, and it's the same thing with with Will Levis. I'm like, this guy has never watched Kentucky football, has he? Well, that's my part. I'm the college guy, so let me tell you something. Wandale Robinson, he's not better than the guys that Josh Allen was thrown to at Wyoming in the freaking whack. Okay, good luck. All right, you know what you're talking about. Barry and Brown and Dane Key, two high four star wide receivers this year that he was throwing to. There is no short of a shortage of talent in that wide receiver room. They transferred in Virginia Tech, Travion Robinson, who was an accomplished slot receiver to take over for Wandale. There's no problem with the weapons that he had over there at Kentucky. So I don't want to hear that. I have concerns about Will Levis. Carson Wentz, lock it up. Real quick, Kyle, before we give you the final word, too. Like, Josh Allen, I do think there's actually not much comparison between them as prospects. Like, Josh Allen, like, say what you will. Well, he was like – maybe the biggest arm of any prospect like the past 10 years and like will levis does not have that and josh allen basically like cam newton level athleticism i don't think anyone really thinks will levis by the way eric why didn't levis run last year like why did he stop scoring touchdowns what was the deal with that offensive coordinator stunk rick scangarello as you know i kind of alluded to um you know there's all kinds of turnover when you're talking about coaching staffs at college, even more so than the pros. And when you have a guy like Mark Stoops, who's the head coach of Kentucky, who is a defense oriented coach, he's going to have the guys who come in as their OCs run the entire system. So it's not a case where the offensive coordinator is coming into Lane Kiffin at uh, Ole Miss, where there's an established structure of what he likes to do. And you can fit within that model. It's a whole new system that comes in and Scangarello went and it was a one and done because he really didn't, wasn't ready conceptually to run an offense in college. Kyle, final word on Will Levis. Uh, final word, when you were talking about uh, like the Cam Newton level athleticism, that's like, you think of more Anthony Richardson, which makes sense. I was just reading uh, Connor Rogers comps. He had Anthony Richardson comp to Josh Allen. I've also seen the Will yeah. Levis-Allen comparison, but like, I actually think it makes more sense to give Richardson that because it is that level of, the le- of athleticism. Whereas like Levis is a good athlete. He's a really good athlete. 
but he's not like a superhero level athlete like Cam was or like yeah, Richardson yeah, yeah, enters yeah. the league. He is more of a good athlete with still like the same level of concerning accuracy issues as someone like Richardson. Uh, and that's really the problem is like, I don't know if he's going to be otherworldly like Lamar. He's not. I, know, I don't think he is going to be Lamar, Jalen Hurts, even really Josh Allen level of rushing production but he still has the flaws that we saw Josh Allen come with, which makes sense as to the actual correct comp now that I'm reading this, is Connor Roger comped him to Jordan Love, who has not it's seen the field in now Fair. three years, right? Which is uh, a concern. Concern. Denny, now Denny is claiming the final word on Will Levis. I, I'm, I, re- I refuse to not get the final word here. No, I, the, the thing is with the Carson Wentz uh, you know, comp, I, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not the big college guy. I'm not grinding a lot of film, but I've seen Carson Wentz play. And I think that there is a lot of Will Levis there. I, and I wanted to make fun. I wanted to say, well, the, Hey, look at the Colts tried it once and now they're back for more. <laughs> but, 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 and then I reached back way back in my memory, all the way back to 2017. And I remember that Carson Wentz was once actually very good in 2017 he was second behind only Tom Brady in adjusted EPA per dropback. So, you know, he could be good. good. Wentz is kind of a what might have been, which people forget since he's become a character. He, he's like a what might have been if he had not torn his ACL. Right. That's right. And a career altering moment for Carson Wentz. Well, the athletics else gets over ACLs in, in, in six months. Yeah. Uh, but Carson Wentz can't. Not everyone. Not everyone gets like alien grade plutonium inserted into their knee like Adrian Peterson did. And <laughs> but they found it in an old uh, CCCP site uh, that like no one had touched for 40 years. And it happened to just make his knee the strongest on planet Earth. Uh, that's happened for everybody. I, I got to stop at this riff because it's going nowhere. The Athletics. <laughs> the Athletics. Joe Biscalia, a friend of the show. He was on last summer. Believes the Buffalo Bills will take a wide receiver in the first round. Anyone have – I'll start with Denny, and if you don't, you can pass the baton. Is there a receiver you would like to see the Bills take? Joe Biscalia is, like, the authority on the Bills. Like, he wouldn't report this, like, if he hadn't didn't have something concrete. That doesn't mean it will happen. Things change. The Bills right. could change their mind on draft night. But if the Bills do take a receiver in round one, Denny, who would you like to see end up in Buffalo? I mean, I guess it would probably be too too early. Uh, I mentioned on the last show that uh, Peter King has Josh Downs going to Buffalo, uh, and I think that that's that's like a, a a nice easy fit into an offense that is in desperate need of a slot receiver, right? And Josh Downs ran most of his routes and saw most of his targets from the slot in college. They 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 got rid of Isaiah McKenzie, who ends up not being. All that good. They they had Deontay Hardy, who you know may or may not play some slot, but you know they have the outside covered. You need someone on the inside. That makes sense to me. But I, I mean, are, are are am I way off in saying that Josh Downs is going to go that that high in this draft? He would have to go before several receivers that are probably graded well above him, right? No, he could go. I, I think in one of my mock, actually in my first mock draft, I had him going to the Eagles, which I thought was like a analytically sound move. And we've been hailing them as that type of team, though they do tend to build in the trenches. But like, I think there's a very strong argument to make him the wide receiver five. And I think there's a pretty good bet that four receivers go. So he's right on that fringe of, of does he go at 35, 37, or does he go 27, 8, 9, or whatever? And that would line up with the number of receiver he is. Because I expect there to be a, a 
pretty strong push for receivers to go from picks like 20 to 25 or six and kind of capping off around the bills. And he makes sense. It's just what kind of style do the bills want to play? Do they finally want to give Josh Allen like easy underneath yak type of player or like, if Quentin Johnson fell to them, would they be like, nah, let's let Josh Allen keep doing that thing where he just plays complete to the wall. Let's go 50, 50 balls, 12, a dot type of player. And I think like, he's really good at that, but let's see him throw a lot more over the middle, get some guys who do the heavy lifting for him. So he doesn't have to be Superman at all times. And downs would be like the perfect type of player to fill that role. Plus, it's also the kind of receiver the Bills really want and need. They want, like, this slot guy. They've been trying with, like, different people over the past few years, and Cole Beasley wasn't quite it. Isaiah McKenzie yeah. wasn't quite it. Josh Downs could be it, but I don't know, Eric, a slot only 171-pound guy in the first round? I don't know. What do you think? Who do you think the Bills' target might be if they take a receiver? Yeah, well, first off, you're talking about Downs, as you mentioned, 171 pounds, 5'10", 5'11". Uh, this is a relatively new phenomenon in the first round. You know, you had Devontae Smith and his freakishly long arms, and he was in the 172 range, and that was kind of an outlier two years ago. We've seen that work out just fine, and I think it, you know, based on the rankings you see these receivers, uh, Addison, Downs, Flowers, all, uh, you know, three of the consensus top five on the sub-180 side. So, um, you know, teams are not as averse to drafting smaller receivers because separation ability is what is so valued right now. It's just creating the act of space. And as you talk about with Buffalo, um, a guy that I really liked in college at Boise State, Khalil Shakir, they drafted, I believe, in the fifth round last year. And you saw him get more reps in the playoffs. I thought he was pretty darn good. You know, when he was given the opportunity, he was a rookie. Uh, I don't know if that's something, you know, that he can continue to build upon, but I do like Shakir. I guess my question for you guys is with, you know, uh, their current receiving group, right? We know they got Diggs, the, Arch- the Archangel, Gabriel Davis. You know, we, we all wanted it to happen. Everyone's been wanting it to happen. But, you know, the UCF guy it doesn't appear to be a fit personally. While I do like Downs, and I have him as my wide receiver seven, and sure, if, if they if they want that pure slot only who is dynamic and give them the, the Edelman, Welker, et cetera, sort of an advantage, great. If they want a guy who can play slot but can also go and flex out wide when he needs to, you can move him around the formation. He's proven the ability to go deep and make tough catches at the you know downfield at the catch point and is the most – decorated high school receiver in the history of mankind, other than Marvin Mims. So I think Mims is, in terms of skill set, in terms of what he brings to the table, he's going to bring a long threat out of the slot that I don't think you're going to get out of downs. Um, But that's just my personal preference on what I do there. I would love that. I mean, I would be obsessed uh, with Mims going to Buffalo. I I think he would immediately become – the uh, number two option behind Diggs. I, I, don't, I don't think Gabriel Davis could keep up with him. Oh, Gabe's ankle is healed. I bet you hadn't thought of that. I, I, no, I hadn't. I forgot. <laughs> I forgot. Bet you hadn't thought of Mim- that. Mims is the guy who, like, I was going through my like team needs and prospect fits list, and every time I wrote up receiver, I was like, 
just take Mims. He's just the best value by far because he was so incredibly productive at such a young age and just has such explosive ability that uh, like I ranked him as my dynasty wide receiver five. I just, uh, I, I think generally the NFL is maybe undervaluing him, but it's also hard to get a read on what the NFL thinks of some of these players who could go early day two or slip like late day three or even, or late, uh, you know, late third round or even in the fourth. But he's a guy who just every time I saw that a team had a need at receiver, I was like, you should take Mims. This is a guy you are probably going to want to have at the next level. And yeah, he has like the speed and deep ability, but still while playing in a different style than someone like Gabe that I'd love to see match up with someone like Josh Allen. Sure. Mims. And on a, on a per target basis, you got to remember with Mims, he was playing at Oklahoma for his first two, well, all three of his years, but Lincoln Riley was there. And what happened to Mims was he spreads the ball around because you have, he wants to make sure he gets all his talent, everybody gets their share, and it's spread around. So that's what happened the first two years with Mims, where he barely cracked 700 yards, even though his efficiency was outrageous. That's exactly what happened to Jordan Addison when he went to USC. You saw his numbers go from 1,300 yards and a Boletnikoff season in 21 to 2022, being, you know, good, but they were getting him a lot of manufactured touches if you watch his game films, you know? So that's something that I think is a factor that you have to kind of quantify with Mims, where every t- in terms of a per-target basis, nobody was more explosive. 16.2% of his receptions the last two years went for 40-plus yards. 40, not 20, 40. We're talking about a bomb thrower. And, and not just that, yards per target, last two years, 13.5 yards per target. Number one in the country. The guy can do it. Runs a 4-3-8. Everybody thought he was going to be at the 4-5 at a combine. Give him to me. I'm just suspicious why the NFL doesn't seem to like him as much as we do. He seems like – I agree with that. Next road of his all-star to be like a fourth-round pick of the Bucks, who then like doesn't mm-hmm. do anything. And it is I, one thing where like – It looks unassailable on paper, though. It really does look unassailable on paper. These okay. speedy slot guys like do get some benefit of like playing these spread offenses where they're like facing off against like the team's second or third corner who's playing in the slot or like a linebacker has to cover them. Well, you're saying a non-player like, facing off against like, an equipment manager like uh, <laughs> Mississippi State or whatever. Uh, sorry, I mean, based on the Big 12 defenses, that might be the type of player they're playing against because Big 12 scores a, a suspicious amount of points. I think we need to get some sort of government government body to look into how many points are scored there. But like, <laughs> he does get Big some... slander. Don't be doing this in front of me. Don't be making <laughs> me bring out Baylor and Iowa State stats here, guys, because they played a lot slower this year than you thought. Texas, incredible run defense. I know you see the TCU box scores, but trust me, the Big 12's defense is a lot better than you think it is. It's come a long way. I know they get – I know. I so know. what you're saying, the Big 12 is boring now is what you're saying. I'm not saying boring, but when Texas and Oklahoma saying. Saying hit boring. the road, there go the big offenses, and we'll see what happens. Before we get to our draft predictions and fits, we have one more piece of news that, frankly, none of us want to talk about, uh, but a long national nightmare has ended. Aaron Rodgers has been traded from the Green Bay Packers to the New York Football Jets. It has officially happened. He's had his press conference. He just seemed absolutely thrilled to be there. And, like, he just can't wait to uh, cash some paychecks from the New York Jets. And he is a Jet. We've been joking about it. Everyone's just wanting this to be over. It's a massive, massive, massive improvement. Even if Aaron Rodgers kind of remains in his diminished state that he was in last year, it's still a massive improvement for the Jets. And, Denny, I was – Ask like how high does this take Garrett Wilson? He who was flirting with wide receiver one relevance with Zach Wilson and Mike White. So what happens 
uh, yeah. with Garrett Wilson's Aaron Rodgers. Right. I mean, I think Garrett Wilson uh, is a wide receiver too uh, with anybody but Zach Wilson, pretty much. Um, I mean, it's just a serviceable quarterback. And, you know, at this point in his career, Rodgers is de- is above ser- serviceable. I mean, may- maybe maybe not a lot, but he definitely he's an upgrade. So, yeah, I, I think Garrett Wilson is probably going to be drafted as a wide receiver too. I, I, I guess, I guess he could get a lot of steam in the summer and, and maybe, um, you know, get into that like top 10 or 12 receivers off the board, somewhat understandable, but I would be a little bit, a little bit cautious there. But yeah, I mean, with, with, with Flacco, with Mike White, with any, anybody not named Zach Chris Wilson, Strebler. Garrett, Garrett Wilson, me, I was under, yeah. you know, I, I any Carter. <laughs> Was out there. It was, it was, everyone makes one of the Thursday night games. You were out there for one of the Saturday games that no one That's really right. watches late in the season. No one, no one talks about that. But Garrett Wilson caught eleven passes in that game. From anyway, you. yeah, he caught eleven passes for eighty-seven yards. <laughs> so yeah, I, I, I don't think that it's he's going to be like uh, outrageously productive. But I think that he's he's on a a really good path to being a safe, a nice safe pick in fantasy drafts. Kyle, who do you think will be benefit the second most in the Jets receiver core or skill core, I should say, after Garrett Wilson, who seems to be clearly the biggest beneficiary? Because uh, we don't even quite know like what the Jets receiver core is going to look like. Corey Davis could be traded this weekend. Who do you think is the second sees the most benef- second most benefit after Garrett Wilson? I think like you can make an argument for someone like Michael Hardman. I'm going to go with Brees Hall, right? Because like he is going to like it seems like unlike someone like Javante Williams, his recovery no one is really batting an eye about. He should probably be back at full speed, you know, in no time. And at that point, we know he was on an offense that was like at its best, mediocre, and at its worst, i.e., with Zach Wilson, completely dysfunctional. It didn't matter. He was still incredible. He was still a great pass catcher. Was still a strong runner. Like just let this dude get near the goal line. Like he can put up 15, 1600 yards from scrimmage, but we also need part of his repertoire, which is kind of out of his control is for his offense to put up points. And even at their best last year, they were average or probably below average at putting up points, just getting him and scoring opportunities. So I'm going to say Brees Hall on an offense that is like, even just put them at 16th dead in the middle uh, among teams, just in scoring points, like, you know, yards per play, on that type of offense, like he could be like a top, I mean, he should be a top 10 running back. He could push for like top five, depending on how his role pans out. So I'm going to say Brees Hawks. I think he's easily the most talented best role outside of someone like Garrett Wilson, who like, as far as like controlling for position, he might be as talented as. Mm. Should we let the college guy say anything about the Jets and the pros? Eric? <laughs> oh, sure. Well, I mean, if you want to talk about which offensive player is going to benefit, I mean, obviously Garrett Wilson, but Hey, Robert Tunyon of Funyon, was made oh into a relevant fantasy player by Aaron Rodgers last time I checked. So he's not afraid to throw the tight ends. You could get a little Jeremy Ruckert action maybe way down the board. Who wow. knows? I mean, who else would it be? I mean, is there – do they have another option? For- I mean, I don't know. He, could he mind meld with Elijah Moore or is he going to get tra- – who's more likely to get traded, Corey Davis or Elijah Moore? Probably Corey, more. Corey Davis. He's even still like a cut candidate. Yeah, I thought he was still a cut candidate, but – that's not good where you could both credibly answer that they're <laughs> the most likely trade candidate. That doesn't seem good. Uh, I, man, I'm trying to like not even remember that Michael Hardman is on the Jets. But Wait, wait, wait. wait. Elijah Moore. I'm sorry. Elijah Moore traded to the Browns. Was he traded? <laughs> oh yes, yeah, he was part of the like second, second or second, third. Yeah, I, do, <laughs> like, I do remember that. Like now. picking 50 for pick 70. 
Yeah. Oh boy. Yep. He's uh, uh, the tight end we're looking for. No, 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 no. You guys are wrong. He's been traded to the Browns. Uh, Elijah Moore. Um, he's been traded <laughs> oh. to the Browns. You guys are wrong. He's not on the Jets anymore. You're right. Oh, oh, oh uh, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. We were wrong. I apologize for us being wrong about that. I actually did completely that. forget that they finally traded him. <laughs> when was that? Was that during free agency? Dude, I'm a college uh, guy. I figured I was just wrong. I oh, I must um, have been it happened nope. in 2012. <laughs> All right. Well, yep. Yeah, you, you live, you learn. Um, uh, yeah, the Titan we're looking for, though, could be CJ Ozoma, who's like pretty out there and running routes. Is, is he I still on the Jets? Yeah. Oh my yeah, God. Uh, like Still. he's out there and he runs routes. You know what he does? He's out there. He's on the field. You look at yes. the field and he's there. You, you see the field. He's on the field. And Watch that's the also film. kind of that's kind of what Robert Tunyon did. Right. Like we saw whenever Aaron regressed. Oh, boy, did that hit Robert Tunyon. Right. And maybe yeah. it was also the injury. Right. But like I don't think Robert Tunyon was as Froton pointed out, like he was a guy. He did his role. And when you're playing with peak Aaron Rodgers, a guy who does his job can put up a lot of touchdowns. And like Uzoma is the most a guy who does his job player in the NFL. <laughs> yes, he is. Well, you know who's still in the Jets, by the way, is Kenny Uboa. Um, oh, no time on, like man. the present. Come on. No time like the present. Pat, are you sure he's still Do you know that? Yeah, actually, I actually am sure he's still in the Jets. That one I, I do know. Kenny Uboa. Is on that ninety-man roster. Your family's listening. He's just waiting for greatness. (laughs) Waiting for greatness from Aaron Rodgers. So, uh, yeah, man, Elijah Moore on the Browns. Wow, (laughs) Uh, man, long off season. Tell you that, long, long, long off season. Long first. Find out who Alan Lazard plays for. Yeah, long (laughs) first segment. Um, We'll be right back after this with some predictions, some takes for the draft. Uh, You name it. We'll be we'll be right back after this. Every season is draft season. Get your Roto-World Draft Guide bundle today and dominate your football, baseball, and basketball drafts. It's packed with profiles, rankings, and projections. Order today and get all three Roto-World Draft Guides for the price of two. Plus, use promo code BARRY and save an extra 20% off at checkout. And don't forget, download the Roto-World app to receive breaking player news all season long. Stay ahead of the competition by favoriting players on your roster Get the latest injury updates, player news, and much more delivered right to your phone. It's available in your app store today. You know, I was sitting here the whole time I was reading both those promos and trying to remember what team Alan Lazard is on. Isn't the Jets? <laughs> yeah, that's why I mean that. Yeah, Pat. Man, man, what a bleak, 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 bleak roster. But, I mean, but, Alan but Lazard confess, and Michael Hardman, man, oh my God. To confess, um, I could have made that joke very early in the Jets conversation. I didn't think of it until much later in the conversation yeah, about the Jets. Oh, man, this why? Like, yeah, we're the up-and-coming team. You know what it's time to do? Sign Alan Lazard and Michael well, Hardman. Obviously, like, <laughs> Lazard at least, like, who do you – they're trying to court, like – you know. <laughs> like taking Hackett. Who do you like? They they are the team that had to make exceptions for guys coaching or otherwise who are like Lazard's fine. He's like a good he like yeah. he was good against man coverage. Well, at least then Nathaniel points. Hackett. Yeah, at least then Nathaniel Hackett bait worked for someone. Um, yeah, it's true. For, yeah, did work for the Jets. Second it time was the trial. Finally worked there. They, yes, you're right. You're right about that. Hey, you wait. We're on a roll now. Rogers' next team is going to do the same thing. They are. Lazard plays the most inline snaps of any receiver. Uh, do with that information what you want. I have no clue as to its utility, but he plays more like a tight end than any other receiver, and that's pretty neat. Because uh, he is basically functionally a tight end. Like he yeah. is a tight end, Alan Lazard. 
What, what I really like um, about uh, our friend there, Nicole Hardman, is I can repurpose the Craig Kilborn Arvidas Sabonis thing where it's, he's not my Vetus, he's not your Vetus, he's our Vetus. With me, Cole, he's not I, Cole, he's not you, Cole, he's me, Cole. So I, I like, that's what I really like about Cole. One thing, listen, one thing about Froton, he knows how to appeal to the Zoomers, you know? He, he just yeah. draws them in. And he he draws in the kids. The Zoomers is honestly their loss not seeing the Late Late Show with Craig Kilborn or perhaps the Daily Show or perhaps Sports Center. Or Arvidas um, or DeMontis Sabonis' death. Yeah, or, or perhaps or old TV. school. TV, yeah. really? I don't think I, Kyle has. Have you ever watched TV? Yeah, he actually has never seen a television. Have you ever seen a non-high like a... definition television, Kyle? I have, I have technically, but like, <laughs> do I have confident memories of it? That's a more <laughs> up and down situation. Danny Froton and I are all from the era. I mean, we're getting full only '80s kids. Remember, where you used to have to hit the side of your television to yeah. get the reception to be better. Yep, um, that was me growing up. That is hit it, and then it inexplicably Science. always worked. I have yeah, no idea how, does it how always that work. I actually how? don't know. Well, when, so my son, who's ten, saw, saw a, a, an old school TV once, like three weeks ago, uh, w- with the big back on it, you know, oh, yeah, 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 and yeah, for the like, CRT, and, and he's like, he like tugs on my shirt, and I was like, yeah, what's up? He was like, Dad, what's wrong with that TV? <laughs> 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 like the TV it's had a disease. Yeah, it's got a hump on it. Well, Is it pregnant? I, yeah. Tell weird. your kid that b- baby TV. There was a time <laughs> the 1990s where every elderly person owned a TV that was just like a giant like chest, you know? Yes. Or like you know, like it was like, what would you even go? It was like a it was like I forget what what do you call the thing you put clothes in? Oh, like a dresser. Uh, like a yeah, they're like giant dressers. It, it wasn't a giant dresser. My my grandparents had one. I had to go up to the TV to change the channel. Either had oh. they didn't have a remote. Yeah, yeah. They will never know our pain. Fortunately, I had a more advanced version where you had a, uh, a a cord that attached the TV with a little tray of buttons that you could oh my Okay, gosh. this is a bit. He's <laughs> doing a bit now. I actually don't. I joke about that's understanding real. your guys' references sometimes. This one, I don't. That's real. That hap- that's, that's a real thing. Scientific Atlanta back in the day. Oh, man, it's good company. My uncle worked there. By the way, uh, Google Virtual Boy, Zoomers. But we've got to move on to... Uh, to the show to the NFL draft. We're going to talk about each of Kyle, Eric, and Denny are going to get list like a fit they really want to see in the draft, a fit they don't want to see, and then a prediction. We'll start positive with the fits we do want to see. We'll start with Denny Carter. What do you want to see? Which prospect do you want to see end up where on draft weekend, Denny? Yeah. Uh, so this is not me advocating for this to happen, but I think it would be cool for fantasy pretty much. That's that's that was kind of my criteria here. Um Dolphins drafting Jameer Gibbs. Uh and I say that because you know Gibbs is good first of all and, and we've we've been we've been through that. I, I I do have um a few little nuggets here. Uh Gibbs's uh yards per route run was among the highest and uh, his career yards per route run was among the highest in recent college history. He was fourth in yards per route run uh, last season among all college backs, 80, 80th percentile breakaway percentage. Anyway, the Dolphins were, were actually like pretty efficient on the ground last year, despite having Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson as their primary rushers. They were 13th in EPA per rush on the season and 10th in EPA per rush in the second half of the season. That was when Tua 
was mostly back in the lineup after uh, his concussion issues early in the season. So uh, I, I don't think that Jameer Gibbs profiles as a guy who's going to come in and get 20 carries a game, but I also don't think he's the kind of fantasy producer who will require 20 touches in a game. And we've seen that happen with, with other backs where, um, you know, pro, I'm not comparing him to Alvin Kamara, but prime Alvin Kamara would get seven carries in a game and score 25 fantasy points. So mm-hmm. I, I, I kind of, I, I love, I would love to see a primary really electric back in that Mike McDaniel system. I think it'd be cool for fantasy. Yeah. We're now in a league that it, like knows what to do with the Jameer Gibbs where even like 10 years ago, like just going back to the Duke Johnson days, they didn't know how to use right. these guys. Like what the hell is like, they get out the manual. Like it doesn't say <laughs> you never had a thousand yards in college. It doesn't say yeah. what to do with this kind of guy. Now they at least know what to do with like an Alvin Kamara with an Austin Eckler where you can have more faith. Cause he was never a bell cow in college. Doesn't ever profile as a bell cow in the NFL, but you can have faith that they actually will produce now, that they actually will get used in ways that are especially beneficial in PPR leagues. Uh, everyone's really excited about Jameer Gibbs. Seems to be the consensus RB2, but Kyle, you want him to go somewhere different than Denny. Where is that? I want to see him go to the Bengals. I think, like, I, I know Denny pointed out a lot last year. Like, the Bengals essentially looked better with Samaj P. Ryan. And I don't think that's a product of Samaj P. Ryan being better than Joe Mixon. Like, maybe he's a slightly better pass catcher. He was actually a little bit worse in yards per route run. I doubt he's a better runner. Like, he's kind of a coach's friend, but not actually the most efficient back. But the reason, obviously, that they looked better when they had Samaj P. Ryan on the field is because they were doing what I'm just going to call smart decision-making, right? They were passing the football, like spreading it out more, playing more tempo when they had Samaj P. Ryan on the field. And I'm not sure Jameer Gibbs would be like, oh, we have Gibbs on the field. We have to play with more tempo. We have to play like more pass heavy, but it would maybe be the other direction that it's a sign that they actually understand how to score points, like that they should be chasing teams like the Bills, teams like the Chiefs, who when they're at their best, do not care in the slightest about running the football. They just don't. They know that the way to win football games is to score and score and score. And when you have a lead, you can keep your foot in your opponent's throat by scoring. I don't think Jameer Gibbs would convince them that's the right way. I think he would be a sign that they have convinced themselves that's the right way. And we see Zach Taylor go through spells of this where like he'll play a 10 game stretch where they're the highest pass rate over expected team. Then he kind of falls back into his old ways. I think maybe it would be sort of uh, an awakening or it would show that they've had sort of a coming to Jesus moment where they understand how to keep up with the best teams in the NFL. And Gibbs would, one, be a sign of that. But two, obviously, he would play great in that. As Denny said, he's one of the best pass catchers coming out. And if you're spreading defenses out and giving him light boxes, sure, he's a guy who's just just sub 200 pounds. That's fine if you're like – of course, you can't put deep defenders in the box. You can't put a bunch of guys in the box when you have, you know, T. Higgins, Jamar Chase, even Tyler Boyd. Like, that's one of the best third receivers in the league. So he's going to get the more favorable spots as a runner and get to do his best as a pass catcher. So I'm not saying, like, Jameer Gibbs would make them a better team. It would be a sign that they know how to keep up with a team like the Chiefs. And he would crush it in those circumstances. So I think that would be such an incredible fit to see. Even if, like, of course, maybe it's not the best use of resources. But it, as Denny said, would be very fun. I I think Dolphins would be a very fun spot. Bengals, too, would be one. Not a terrible pick. He's a very good player. And they're not going to have to spend an early first by any means on him. But it'd be a really fun spot to watch. The Bengals would have to use a first on him because they're not going to get him at like 58 or whatever their second round pick is. And also interesting to have a conversation when Joe Mixon is still on the Bengals roster right now. 
have no idea if that's going to be the case, but he is still as of April 26th on the Bengals roster. But we'll see what happens. It's an interesting and very plausible fit. Eric, before you tell us uh, your, your the fit you want to see this weekend, do you have any thoughts on Jameer Gibbs? Yeah, well, I'm just glad that we get to have Kyle talking about come-to-Jesus moments regarding running backs. It is the NFL draft. You know, I haven't had a come-to-Jesus moment since Denny and I were in Canton and we went to that strip mall. But <laughs> that being said, um, yeah, absolutely. Jameer Gibbs, um, I, don't like, I don't like the Alvin Kamara comp as much because Alvin Kamara is 215, you know, and I do think that there's a little bit of a fallacy where you're, you know, people are saying, well, Alvin Kamara is dynamic and Al- Alvin Kamara catches passes and he doesn't need many touches to do that. Well, he's, he's 215 and he's a different kind of back because Gibbs is 199 is what he weighed in at. And he even kind of plays a little slight, you know, he's not going to be pounding the ball between the tackles. However, I look at Gibbs and I see like a, a, a superstar Jarek McKinnon type guy role, you know, where that, that, that perfect usage we got out of McKinnon last year in a better athlete, a better package, just a, a more, more deceptive runner sets up his cuts. He, he's much better. But like if you can use him in that way, which is what Kyle's alluding to, which Denny is alluding to, like you, you really can have a playmaking weapon. Uh, that being said, the player that I would like to see, I'm going to go off the board. You know, they, they went running back. I understand, but I'm going to go in the tight end range. And I, I just feel like it's destiny to have a guy named Dalton go to Dallas in the honor of the great Patrick Swayze, Dalton in the double deuce, in the greatest 80s movie known to man, Roadhouse. I feel Again. like this was Patrick Swayze knew when he picked that role in 1987 that this was going to happen. And now here we are, 25 years later, or maybe a few more than 1987. Dalton Kincaid, Utah. I think he's the best tight end in the class. Uh, You see him catching the ball outside of his frame. He's one of the few tight ends that can really stretch the seam and make a play downfield. Uh, The real comparisons you see are with Michael Mayer, right? But with Michael Mayer, we were billing him at 265 pounds, 6'4", 6'5", throughout his entire college career. He goes to the combine, checks in at 6'3", 249, 16 pounds lighter. I personally was at the combine. While I watched... Wow, Darnell brag much. Sorry, sorry. But I watched Darnell Washington and Michael Mayer walking side by side, walking over to interview with Peter King at the NBC set. Darnell Washington dwarfed Michael Mayer. I mean, it's two different human beings. They don't even look like they play the same position. I'm concerned about Mayer at 249 because this is a guy I'm, I'm assuming athletically, the way he moves, which is a little boxy, he kind of doesn't, doesn't catch outside of his frame as much, even though he's right on the money if it's at the numbers. But he doesn't have the dynamicism, I think, you're going to see from Kincaid. I want to see him go to Dallas, replace, become the new Jason Witten, take care of you know the uh, departed Schultz, and, and be the next great tight end in Dallas. He's going to be a premium guy in rookie drafts he does. I think he probably slips into the top 12. I just want to credit, again, uh, Eric, for just hammering the – 35 to 45 year old male demographics. See, the Zoomer and, outreach program. Man, <laughs> man, we are we are on it today. Roadhouse, let's go. It's supposed to be a Roadhouse sequel. I heard a remake that's coming out. So yeah, I'm there always is probably, probably coming to Hulu or something. One in the movie theater. Uh, this real quick reminds me of something I saw on Twitter. There's a podcast devoted to some of the stranger eras of Bob Dylan's career. It's called the Jokerman Podcast. It's a great music podcast, but. 
Uh, they were joking that it turns out their demographic is just husbands. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, there, we've had some of that energy on this show today. Where we do. Well, I don't time. know why. I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, no one was tough to say. No one. You guys want me to come it. on? <laughs> no, it's not just you, Eric. Uh, we're really excelling with our husband. Eric, you'd be surprised. This is actually the script for every show we talk about. <laughs> yeah. These. Yeah, so we'll get to baseball right talking here soon. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, like, we're again killing it with the husband outreach. We're gonna be killing now with the you know that's enough positivity. I mean, let's just get back to just crushing players, you know, who are not even professional athletes yet. Uh, actually, we could be crushing the teams that may be ruining some of our favorite amateur athletes here. Just a fit that you worried about might be happening this weekend. We'll start with you, Kyle Dvorak. Just what is something that you fear might happen this weekend that you kind of just don't want to see? Yeah, I actually have two spots. One I think is more likely uh, for Quentin Johnson to land that would concern me about both his usage, but the way the team will be affected. The first one was the Chargers. I think they're in a prime spot to take a receiver, but like I want to see them get a Zay Flowers. I want to see them get a Jordan Addison, someone who can be that reliable underneath target still with explosive playmaking ability, specifically for Justin Herbert, because we saw last year that he, I mean, he had like a like a bottom ten contested contested target rate in that he just wasn't throwing to receivers who weren't like clearly open and having generated separation. And I don't really think that's who Quentin Johnston is. He's a guy who had a high percent of contested catches in college, and he tested at the combine and then at at his pro day. He was like a four five at his pro day, which is for his size very good, but it means he's not blowing by guys. Like you see some speed on tape, but ultimately I think once he adjusts or once the NFL sort of adjusts to his speed, it will be revealed that he, he is more of a big body dude who's faster than he should be, but he's not, a, he's not a four fours guy. He also tested incredibly poorly in the agility drills. So I think he needs, he needs a quarterback who's willing to sort of take more old school throws. Essentially is what I'd call them. Like this guy is Big, bursty, he has the physical frame. Yeah, they're they're different throws. They're throws that you guys would appreciate. Being fathers, you would appreciate when a receiver has no separation and he still gets a target. And I think that might be more of what we see from Johnson. He is uh, faster than he should be for his size and really bursty. He crushed the, uh, like the vertical and the broad jump, but he also tested very poorly in the agility drills. And for someone like Justin Herbert, like, I think he just needs to see a guy getting open and creating separation to throw. We saw that with Mike Williams, that even when Keenan Allen was out, Mike Williams really struggled to earn targets on a per route basis. I want them, even if they have to play a little bit behind Keenan Allen for a year, I want them to get the air to that throne as opposed to sort of square peg round holing someone like Mike Williams to be their number two. And I sort of feel the same way with Josh Allen, more so in that I just don't want them to try and let's do Gabe Davis again. I want them to give him a different option. But to me, it was specifically Justin Herbert and his style that stuck out is they need a specific receiver. And luckily for them, uh, just about every receiver in this class outside of Quentin Johnston is uh, 5'11 and 179. So they've got options. I just think there's one pitfall that they, they could fall into depending on how the board shakes out. Yeah, we just don't want Michael Mike Williams 2.0 in the charge, especially with Keenan Allen, probably with his last year with the team. They need uh, yeah, someone to get open. And the yeah, that'd be a nightmare, field. too, if they, like, there's a pretty realistic chance that they, like you said, they move on from Keenan Allen after this year. They move into next season with just, like, boundary 50-50 guys, mm-hmm. which is, like, 
the opposite of what Justin Herbert needs. Like, even if they aren't playing for 2023, they got to think more long-term than that. Apparently no one wants anyone to end up on the Chargers, Eric, because there's a certain player you don't want to see end up in the Los Angeles Chargers. Can you tell the audience who that is? Well, um, actually, I it wasn't the Chargers. I wanted a player to go to the Chargers, actually. I wanted Jordan Addison. That was my prediction thing. Uh, I think Jordan Addison goes to the Chargers because he is quite literally Keenan Allen 2.0. I mean, I feel like he. you look at Keenan Allen, what he does. He's not fast. Keenan Allen ran like a 4.6. You know, while Jordan Addison had a four three seven line initially, and then he ended up running a four four nine. So I, I definitely want to go, and I, I'm all in, and that's why I certainly, you know, am simpatico with Kyle, uh, Zay Flowers, or Jordan Addison. In my latest mock, I went Addison. That being said, if there's a place that I don't want to see somebody, yeah, go, Eric, sorry, I misread the show sheet. Uh, the, the, you and how Denny. Dare you? You and Denny confused me because there's a certain player that you don't want to go somewhere, but it's two different places, and I assigned Denny to yours. So you no want problem. Jordan Addison. You did say to the San Diego Chargers. Uh, it, it is the San Diego Chargers as a 18-year San Diego resident. It's the San Diego Chargers. Forever and, the San Diego Chargers. I just continue forgetting which town which teams play for because they played for in the early aughts. Just the so fatherly vibes. They you want Jordan Addison yeah. to be on the United States, Mexico, Baja, California border. Who do you not want to end up somewhere in this draft? Well, I've seen two different plays. I believe Lance Zerline did it first. And then in one of the latest uh, this week, one of those everybody picks for their team. You know, they have like the beat writer mocks. One of the beat writers picked this same pick and it infuriates me and it better not happen because Bijan Robinson is not going to my beloved New England Patriots at 14. Okay. That's not happening. Don't, I can't believe that people think this is a thing. We've already got 5'11, 245, Ramondre Stevenson, who it's year three. It's time. It's his time. Let's go. Unleash the shackles. Let him roll. And you're going to bring in Bijan Robinson, who's, you know, I mean, he's great, but what, we have two of those guys now. Like, it's not even like you're bringing in Jameer Gibbs as a satellite back to kind of balancing them off with. You're bringing in Bijan. What does that do to Ramondre Stevenson? I don't get that. Two, who's blocking for Bijan Robinson and Ramondre Stevenson? Uh, you guys have watched a little bit of the Patriots, I know. I mean, when you've been forced to. Well, Denny's never uh, watched a game, but yeah. No, he's I, about I hope not. But he's looked at the offensive line statistics, and it wasn't pretty last year. By any objective measure – on that offensive line, if you're going to go and get a running back, you went and traded up for Cole, or you traded down and you took Cole Strange a full round early last year. Look, take the offensive lineman you we that the Patriots like. Don't overthink this. There's plenty of running backs you can go and look at in the second round. I don't know if why why you need to. I feel like you're you're creating, you know, uh, you're filling a need that doesn't exist. So please go offensive lineman, Patriots. That Eric, smoke has say, been billowing, by the way. Yeah, the Pats yeah. And Bijan. I, I will say you mentioned uh, I can't believe this team that took Cole Strange in the first round would make an <laughs> illogical decision in the draft. I simply can't put these dots together. I think you just did. You did. But he's an offensive line reach. They love doing that. You know, the skill player reaches not their thing. Especially, I hope not wide receiver with their. There, uh, there, there aren't a lot of things that would make me more upset than Bijan Robinson being drafted by the Patriots. I can probably count them on one hand. I mean, things in general in the world. <laughs> it's true, and there's a lot going on in this world. Right now. I don't know if you folks have heard. 
And one of the reasons I was confused about Eric's pick and uh, now Denny's pick is because they were both talking about the same teams <laughs> and then the same player. Yeah. I was conflating a million things in my head. Denny, Bijan Robinson, he is the skill player in this draft, but we don't want him to go to the Patriots. And where else do we not want Bijan Robinson to go? We don't want to go into the Chargers, folks, because Baja California, San Diego. Because uh, look, I mean, he like that, and this is supposing that Austin Eckler is going to play in, with the Chargers this year, even though he seemingly doesn't really want to. He wants a new contract. The Chargers are like, whatever, dude. You're going to have to play it out. Uh, and you know, Eckler being a, a pass catching dynamo, like he's not going to give up that role. So, okay, B. John Robinson becomes maybe an early down option. It, that just stinks. Like, for fantasy, that stinks. It's the same thing. We have a blurb today on uh, uh, Graziano, Dan Graziano from ESPN, reporting that the Ravens could be in on B. John Robinson if he falls outside the top 10. The Ravens could trade up and draft him soon Soon after, I'm guessing, after the top 10. Uh, that would that would also stink. I just wanted to mention that because you know J.K. Dobbins is not going anywhere. Also, J.K. Dobbins was really good and productive and efficient in the final month and a half of last season. So we do we do not want our Bijan going to the Ravens, and we don't want him going to the Chargers. Real quick, around the horn, we for a while we were setting the Bijan line at like nineteen and a half. I'd say we should set it at nine and a half. Is Bijan going in the top ten? Eric Froton. I mocked him to Philadelphia, where he is plus 300 odds. I know that he is plus 200 to go to Atlanta. I believe he's you know, essentially the favorite, or I think he's number two in uh, in that pecking order. But when you hear things like the NFC is objectively terrified of Philadelphia getting Bijan Robinson, I get excited about that. You know, so I think, you know, we're talking about going in the top 10. I, I wouldn't have thought that possible probably a month ago, but look, premium talent is what it is. And he is a premium talent who is every bit that what they say he is. So if Todd Gurley can go number 10, why can't Bijan? And it's the Eagles, too, who are like, think they're in like an imperial phase, basically. They've got another first round pick. Why not make a luxury pick? Why not make it Bijan? Number 10, producer Adam points out the over-under in many sportsbook appears to be 12 and a half. So it, it, it's it's definitely possible from a betting perspective he's going to end up in the top 10. Kyle, what do you think? Top 10 or not top 10 for Bijan? Yeah, not only that, but Adam also has minus 250 the under because you capture Houston, who I've seen a few times mocked to get him. You capture, obviously, Philly. And then for me, in my latest and probably final mock draft, Atlanta, they're doing it. They're doing the thing that we are like, there's, there's no way they do it. There's no, there's no way they do such a thing. Tyler Algier was so efficient. I mean, and the running scheme, even Caleb Huntley and Cordell Patterson, there's no way. Of, of course they're doing it. Anytime you think about the Falcons. They've already done it, about, actually. They have. <laughs> think about the thing you don't want the Falcons to do and the thing that if the Falcons did such a thing, it would make you furious. They're doing it. That's it. They're doing it. So, yes, I have Bijan to Atlanta in my latest mock. Denny, what are the vibes? You're, you're our vibes, man. What do you think the vibes are? My vibes-based analysis says uh, Arthur Smith cannot physically pass on B. John Robinson. No. He will he will go into cardiac arrest. We don't want that. And we no. and so he's going to pick B. John Robinson. He at, will uh, not be departing the state of Missouri without B. John Robinson. And, yes, by the way, Kansas City's in Missouri. Bet you didn't know that, huh? Uh, yeah, most people do know that. And it's when people don't know that that it's very funny. And they think it's in Kansas. It is 
admittedly confusing. Our final segment is predictions for what we think is going to happen. Eric, I want you to start thinking of a second prediction. You're going to go last. We accidentally used up your prediction in the last segment. Think of something crazy to say to end the show. (laughs) We'll begin with Denny's prediction. What is your prediction for draft weekend? Uh, Yeah, uh, I – just from 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 grinding the blurbs, folks, I get the the overriding sense that uh, the Lions are going to come away with Anthony Richardson one way or another. Okay, I you know I, whether it's uh, very early or in the late first round, depending on you know where other quarterbacks land. I I just I don't believe Dan Campbell and the Lions brass when they say we're good with Jared Goff for the for the long term. I I, I don't believe that. I, I think that this is a team that will do anything to score points and to win. And Anthony Richardson, as we've said many, many times over the past, however many years we've been covering this draft, uh, <laughs> you know, that, uh, you know, that Anthony Richardson is an amazing prospect and really, really look, if you, if you, and I'm, I'm, I don't know, Eric, correct me if, if you think I'm wrong here, but the, the issues with the short area passing uh, according to folks in the know, are very fixable and 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 they they can they can be kind of smoothed over over time. So I don't I don't think teams should be necessarily too worried about that. I think the Lions get Richardson. Eric well, has pre- some he has some breaking Richardson thoughts that he's going to share with us here. <laughs> well, actually, I, I mean, you know, I appreciate Denny using the the phrase one way or another. Well known Blondie tune. One I, of was, I knew we were going to get that. I, I really appreciate that, Denny. Thank you. That You're being welcome. said, yeah, I think you make a good point uh, about AR. He's 20 years old still. Yeah. Right? When you look man. at the art of projecting QBs, the reason why Bill Parcells, Belichick, and those guys, and, and the, the old heads, we're, we're keeping it 80s and 90s today. Um, the reason why they like quarterbacks that are a little bit longer in the tooth or have had three years of starting experiences. You can see how they react in pressure situations. You can see what needs to be done. You can see what needs to be fixed and you can identify that really, you know, go through it and, and, and scout them and parse their skills. It's hard when you have somebody only started 13 games, one year starter, you know, the footwork is, is certainly, you know, all over the place at times, but he has those raw tools that are just, they're, the most tantalizing athletic traits that any quarterback's ever had in the history of the combine. Right. Um, so with all that, the big arm is legit. It's just a matter of, of settling him in, getting him comfortable, uh, allowing him to feel, you know, the rush around him, step up and just get into that comfort zone. I think he needs a full year. I think he needs a full year. Denny, I understand why you went with him at six. You know, you got the Jared Goff plan and then the handoff. I am going just one spot later. I think the Raiders take them. And Ooh. if the Raiders do be it at seven, I actually love from a gambling perspective, he's currently plus 1100 Anthony Richardson to be taken at that seven spot by the Raiders. I think that's great value. It's great odds. And if you look at the Jimmy G experiment, I know, I know that Las Vegas is going to want to get out of the Jimmy G experiment they within are. a year. They need a jumping off point here. I think that with Mark Davis, we've seen how the the Raiders draft from their id. Okay, Alex Leatherwood, uh, here he is. You know, uh, Henry Ruggs, he ran fast. So <laughs> I see the the Raiders being absolutely enamored with the physical traits, the package that he has, the the upside. Put him under Josh McDaniels. 
let him sit under the learning tree and go. So that that is what I would like. That's my prediction. I am at odds with my friend. I, 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 I hope for his sake he's not drafted by the Raiders. Honestly. Me too. I mean, the Raiders like to take big swings on Josh McDaniels. I mean, is quite literally the man who took Tim Tebow in the first round. So yes. uh, we know he's willing to go off board, and you wouldn't actually be going off board with Anthony Richardson. Uh, it's, uh, do you think – so it seems like we think he's going in the top ten. So we're basically saying four quarterbacks are going to go in the top ten. So think this so. is really interesting. And Anthony Richardson to Seattle might be the best for like his career or maybe Detroit too. Cause maybe he would sit for a year. I do think so. The NFL seems to be believing in the sit for a year model again. And it certainly stands to reason Anthony Richardson, but it might be bet. I, I know you learn by playing, but it just like almost be unfair after 13 pretty uneven college games. Like, Hey, guess what? Uh, the Sharks, you're going to be thrown to them. Have fun. Uh, like it seemed that like he could maybe benefit from the sitting a year model, especially like a stable franchise like Seattle or a franchise against all odds becoming more stable in Detroit. Uh, Raiders, not so much, though. That would be <laughs> very, very concerning if he ended up there. But, yeah, 20 years old, that athletic package, there's no way that's getting outside the top ten. There just isn't. Kyle, to end the show, what is your prediction for what's going to happen on draft weekend? I've got another quarterback sitting runway to starting next year prediction. It is by hooker by crook and a hooker to the Vikings. I don't know. I doubt they have to move up to get him. I know we've seen more buzz from pundits that he could like that he could go early in the first. I think really the realistic buzz they're getting is that he's a guy in that Lamar Jackson territory where maybe they want that uh, they want the fifth year option tacked onto his contracts. He's a quarterback and that's really valuable for a guy like him for the flexibility that gives that team and his production profile at Tennessee was just unreal. I mean, one of the most efficient quarterbacks in college football it was like pretty on track for a Heisman before tearing his ACL. And that probably means he has to sit behind someone. That means he's not, going to or at least a team that needs a quarterback right away is not loving that they're getting him because they're probably losing a bunch of games until he's ready because not only is he coming back from the knee injury but he played in an offense that admittedly really did him a lot of favors boosting his stats and I still think he was like physically capable of making throws at all levels of the field but he wasn't asked with doing as much uh, like cognitively he just wasn't processing as much he was having more open receivers than most quarterbacks that's perfect. Get him in an offense. We'll get him essentially on a team that he probably doesn't have to start in the entirety of the 2023 season. And that is the Minnesota Vikings are taking him when they pick at 24, something like that. Uh, they could probably even trade back. But I think if you want a quarterback, you're just taking him there. Right. Kirk Cousins, a free agent in the upcoming seat in the upcoming offseason. And I think that relationship has been more. Let's play it year by year. And finally, they have an offer. They haven't had a really a chance like you know this past offseason what do they do to get out of Kirk Cousins they're 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 bombing they're they're playing for a future season whereas you understand what the roster they have why they'd say let's try and make the smooth transition let's try and get from what is a good but not great roster despite their record last year a good but not great roster let's keep that ball rolling with potentially a higher ceiling quarterback so I think they take Hooker he probably sits for most of his rookie season but that's good the team is set up perfectly for that type of player We'll find out if it's actually a good roster or not. And I would say the first step to addressing your Kirk Cousins problem is admitting you have a Kirk Cousins problem. <laughs> the Vikings have well, found very, very hard to, to do. According to the marketplace, you know, right now on DraftKings, Mr. Hendon Hooker is plus 350, the favorite to go to Minnesota. 
So Kyle might be on to something here. You know? Only with Hooker in Minnesota. I mean, he might have to sit the whole, his whole first year anyway because of the ACL. But if you go to somewhere like Minnesota where he probably would sit no matter what the whole first year, that means he'd be 26 when he finally started an NFL game. And That's probably know. true of most of the places he goes, though, other than like – I don't know. He could go a place where he gets in a few games at the end of the season, but I don't think he has a meaningful rookie season. You wouldn't say he's no. like a guy who's coming in to lead his team to the playoffs after like the, the starter goes, you know, 0-3 or whatever. I think at best he has sort of the Jalen Hurts rookie season where Hurts wasn't because of injury, but it was just that he wasn't quite ready yet. And I think that's what you get is maybe you get a little sneak preview at the end of the season, but I think probably like true Hertz anywhere. Is- I think like Hurts, he's going to go in the second round. A whole lot different situation than Jalen Hurts, but the fact that, yeah, pretty much anyone takes him, he's going to be 26 years old before he starts a game for your team, and I just don't know if you can justify a first-round pick on that. Uh, can we justify ending this show? Did we empty? Did we get it I all I think out? we can justify it. I'd say we can. Did we get it all out? Yeah, we did. We threw so many – uh, so many extended, so many olive branches to our Zoom generation. Yeah, I have more thoughts on Roadhouse, but I guess we can get yeah. to that later. <laughs> I have more questions about Patrick Swayze. Who is he? Uh, that's it. That's the question. Well, first off, God rest his soul. Um, he is no longer with us, Kyle. And so I, I honestly didn't know that. Yeah, he's no. Um, yeah, I hope you feel happy about that. Um, <laughs> I hope you're gonna go and watch. The- I think we can just by ending the show, guys. I think we can just by ending the show. You could, yeah. <laughs> Uh, okay. God rest Patrick Swayze's soul. Just do me a favor. There was uh, this book that a lot of people read of our generation in the middle school. It was called The Outsiders. Go and watch that movie. You'll know who Patrick Swayze is. Yeah. So be with Patrick Swayze. God rest our souls for draft season finally breaking us um, yes. on this podcast. And this kid here, NFL Draft, it will Thursday night. We're going to have every blurb. Written up on the NBC Sports Edge and Roto World all weekend. We're going to have that final mock drafts, final lots of stuff from Eric. Uh, Eric, what what are what do you have on the site this week, by the way, and this weekend? Well, I just went uh, over my gambling analysis, a full soup to nuts of the first round, giving pretty much every uh, relevant line related to what those teams could be doing, as well as the player. Uh, sort of marketplace. So I, I got 4,000 words on that. Enjoy. Uh, and then after on Thursday night, I will be writing up a round two or three mock based off of the first round. And uh, and we'll have that up by Friday morning for you all since I'm on the West Coast and I'll get it up late night. There he is. I mean, overwhelming amount of content on the website the next few days. I'm going to have a round one recap. So yeah, please check it out. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back next week. For Denny Carter, Kyle Dvorak, Eric Froton, I'm Patrick Darty. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.